And so we're trying to extract learning moments from the environments we're in, but then tie those into something that builds on it on itself. And that's a challenge. I mean, there's a time to study math and and yeah, and maybe your kids don't want it. Maybe Ned doesn't want to sit down and do math at, you know, 930 in the morning when he's like tired or needs to run or something like that, you know? So it's based on that, that that's a philosophy, but also, also that kids are innately curious and that they, and that, that they will, they will find those, find those paths. And their kids made fairy houses in the, in the garden, uh, in the yard and, and our Matilda was super into it. And they had the fairy houses, like built these beautiful little houses. I, you, Irish are great at that, little fairy houses. Um, uh, they made little letter boxes where they would uh, write notes to the fairy, write letters to the fairies. And then the fairies would come out at night and like take the note and then put a note from the fairies. And so Matilda was like, Dad, there's like letters from the fairies. I have, what does this say? I have to know what this says. And she was just like, I have to, so I read, read her that letter, but then there were more coming and she just needed to know what they said. And two weeks later, she was reading. She was like, just read the letter. And she didn't make a big deal about it. Didn't come show me just, she wasn't like, I can, I know how to read now. She was just like, oh yeah, I can read now. Hello and welcome. I hope you're doing well. Um, hope Paul is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Dave. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steve. And welcome to the Happy Pair Podcast. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. Genuinely are. And the, po- the purpose of our podcast is really to have great chats, super inspiring conversations with people that we're genuinely super curious about. Uh, we've been eating a plant-based diet for 20 years. And I guess health, happiness, well-being, having a better relationship with yourself, waking up, how to have more energy. I guess there's so many different aspects of life and so many interesting people we've had conversations with. And today, I imagine, will be a wonderful conversation again. I love that. Does a plant-based diet make you have better conversations, Dave? <laughs> uh, yes, actually, it does, Sarah. It actually does. Well, I don't know. I just thought it was Re- remote, relevant. remotely relevant. I don't know why, but thanks. Um, how are you doing today Sarah oh yes you got ahead of me there I was just about to say you guys never asked me how I do (laughs) (laughs) it's all about you Um, I am uh, as I was saying earlier I'm all right. I'm heavily pregnant. I'm 38 weeks at this stage. So I'm just waiting for um, the kids to get honest, Sarah, you're fed up. You're I'm fed, fed up. up and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm tired. This, this is the time if you want an honest answer from Sarah, ask her anything. From and anyone. the filters are gone. Yeah. If, if you are struggling with anything in life and you want an honest answer and I don't even know you, you just come to me and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Plain and simple. But I've been up like, it's mad. You're up all night with like, you know, needing to pee and then you don't even pee properly which is the most unsatisfying thing ever and then the baby is just like kicking like I feel like my my insides are getting bruised did you wow. guys have getting a workout did, getting a workout did inside. we get a workout when we were pregnant when you were pregnant yeah no I just remember marveling at the female body like literally and I remember going into um like Hollow, uh, Street. Hollow Street and just meeting the midwives and meeting just that whole like seeing Justina give birth, I just, I left feeling in awe and just going, oh my God, women are phenomenal. And that is just one of the most miraculous things I've ever witnessed. And I remember like leaving feeling like, almost like the midwives are like angels. I just think they are phenomenal. And you did it three times. Yeah, my wife did. Yeah, and I was a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> we're just kind of lackey. I was yeah, the lackey. And I, I think for any man can relate to it anyway. Like if you ever want to feel useless and like a spare 
whatever you want to call tire it, or whatever. a spare tire. Oh my God, I felt so like I didn't know what you know. You're, well, you're, the, you're the magic sponge, and you're the personal masseuse, and you're the general. If she wants to let it out, she'll you're the punching bag. The punching bag. Yeah, so exactly. leading up to it, like at this point before you had given birth, like were there certain things that you'd do to your respective wives in order to help? Can't remember. I remember because there's so much happens after that. Oh. Like to that, that's when the kind of the show yeah, it's starts. a big event up to it and then as soon as it happens it's like you forget about it yeah because suddenly it's like oh my god this I suppose it's so mind. different from your first to your when you have your second or whatever because then your main role becomes minding the first the, one yeah the first one yeah yeah, well, keeping the first one alive while yeah. the second one's born <laughs> do you, you find that, that you had a nice bond though then with the second, second yeah. or the first one because yeah, yeah. yeah and they were over a year so they kind of engage with you and they were kind of starting and what to was their kind it. of reaction to the fact that there's a newborn and they were actually they're delighted just, like, just delighted yeah. yeah there was no at least like it's a, like a doll it's yeah. like you know a baby they just think it's the best thing ever you know oh that's cute <gasps> really well, should we carry on with today's podcast yes so this week's podcast is with the wonderful Marty Penner or Martin Penner if you want to call him that give him his full title but uh, back a number of years ago this striking man arrived down the beach one day you know um, just an all around cool dude and he, he kind of came up the first day and we used to say he used to jump dive off the top ropes so he'd do this beautiful elegant dives and he just had this really kind of lovely air about him and when we chatted with Marty Moore he said for the last four years he's been traveling around the world not just on his own but with his wife and three kids and to raise them in kind of to try to build community while traveling the world and really what's interesting about them is they opted out of the normal nine to five and have been kind of living nomadically and exploring beyond the current structures of society which is you know you you Get a, you live in a house and you're, you know, you send your kids to school and you have a job and that's kind of what most of us do. But they've kind of opted out of that system and they're traveling around the world and educating them, their kids themselves and earning money in a different type of way. But having these incredible rich experiences. And it was very interesting to sit with them and discuss this and understand what it's like and how they got into it. And a really wonderful conversation. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Really and Marty's really just a super cool dude. And what a great backstory. So before we start this week's podcast... Here's a word from our sponsors. The secret to health to many people nowadays, you could think it's having a fancy car. It could be, you know, goji berries or acerola. Or no, it's this new Brazilian thing found in the equatorial rainforest. But in our experience, the secret to health is that we're all a product of our environment and we're all a product of the people we spend most amount of time. And in essence, the main selfish reason why we started The Happy Pair was to create this environment that forced us to live a healthier, happier life. We've created the Happy Pair app, which is essentially the whole environment in a digital space. The whole purpose is to support you in becoming healthier and happier and become a more vibrant version of yourself. It's pretty much me and Steve living in your pocket as health guides, really, because um, that's what we're here to do is to support you in transforming your life and holding you accountable and supporting you in making the changes. And it's not just me and Dave. We've partnered with many different medical professionals from gastroenterologists, gynecologists, neurologists, cardiologists psychologist and much more to try to explain to you the science as to why simple lifestyle practice can have such a beneficial aspect to your health. We've got hundreds of plant-based recipes, there's yogas, there's workouts, there's meditations, there's breath work, there's all our courses are in there. There's a whole community and tribe within there and there's tons of lives. Every week we've got lots What's of lives? different lives. What's lives. Live events. So this morning I did a Rise and Shine, which was a breath work and a gentle stretch for 20 minutes. And right now we're doing a friends and family launch. That's pretty cool. Dave had his best ever. He had 15 people come. No, I had 20 yesterday. Wow, David yeah. Flynn. 
That was exciting. Yeah. Anyway, Happy Pair app, it's out now. It really will do to you what the Happy Pair has done for us. It will support you in becoming healthier and happier. It's available in the Apple uh, Store. The it, app, Apple App Store? It's available on the App Store. It's available in the App Store and it's available in the Google Play Store. We've got a seven-day free trial. There's monthly and annual memberships and it really, really is amazing. We're so excited and we really hope you get the opportunity to help and support you. The app is out October the 10th. We have an early bird offer on for the first week, which is 99 euro. So if you're listening to this... what's the normal price? Normal price is 150. So you are saving 51 euro. Yeah, buy now, buy now. Quick, quick, quick. That's between the 10th of October until the 17th and possibly bleeding into the 18th of October. The last conversations which we had, we were sitting down and we were having a lunch every week for maybe a month to kind of redefine the education system or something or figure out... Stephen always had this idea of starting a school... And it was, we went, we had lunch and in an hour we kind of saw how much of this journey we could go on. It was all theoretical and having fun, but it was, you know, and you, you said now since the pandemic, you've been having a lot more of. Yeah, the, that's exactly right. I think, I don't know exactly what your experience was for your kids during the pandemic, but I think those conversations that we were having were coming from this tension of not, of enjoying some things about that, about having them around, about seeing them in a different environment than, than going to school every day. And I, that happened for a lot of people where they, their kids came home, they got plugged into a screen for some hours of the day and they were kind of like, what, what is happening at school anyway? Like, what are my kids learning? And, and, and a lot of, a lot of people are, want to expand that experience. And so we've seen so many things happening in this space, like solutions for, for learning in different environments. And a lot of people who are like, don't want to send their kids back and are looking for, for cool stuff. So, um, I mean, since the pandemic happened, that has just exploded. When we started traveling four years ago, um, the traveling family scenario or the, the, the people who were traveling families like us, like traveling for a long time was either the super, super wealthy uh, who could just throw money at any any problem, or it was the people who were like five bucks a day. How long can we stay in Southeast Asia, you know, and not spend any money? And we were something in the middle where we're still working, we're still uh, connected. We weren't, we don't have that kind of money, but we're trying to like get something off the ground and work. And um, and but we were so lonely in that space. And now there's so many more people. Lonely as in like no one was, there weren't many people doing There weren't many were doing. families doing that. Yeah. Because yeah, even when I first came across you, you were like, it was like, wow, you're traveling around the world with your kids and yeah. your wife as a family. Yeah, yeah. Like living it, a nomadic way of life. Yeah. And, and there were so few doing it like, who were like us that we felt like we knew all of them in the world. We'd, we'd meet them somewhere or we'd run into them or someone, uh, there was some books that we were that that were about traveling families and and I remember when we got we were we had a chapter and um we wrote a chapter in it and when we got the book back I we looked through it and we're like we know everyone in here we know all these families <laughs> uh, but now the there's just so many people are realizing like they don't have to be in their office the same way that they that they used to and their kids don't have to be in school the same way and um, and it's been really cool to see just people like asking for that, asking for those longer experiences, which is which is awesome. It's such a paradigm shift, like it really is in terms of like, you know, most of us have been so conditioned culturally to kind of go, OK, well, you know, you buy a house, you have a family, they go to school and kids need, you know, routine and structure and, you know, dependable and consistency and all these type of things. Whereas adventure is like if you think of the kids mindset, it's play, curiosity, adventure, 
and, and this type of thing and to fit them in the, the modern paradigm of how we work or how we typically work in society it's almost like you've got to program them so that they can keep going and fulfill the kind of getting a nine to five job and sitting in this whereas the world is changing so much that it's almost like they're changing in both sides of the scale if you know what I mean yep yep it that's exactly right the, the whole the whole system was designed to to produce people who could be who could fulfill those those obligations that we'd already invented industrial mm. economy yeah and yeah. and like when you guys wage slaves <laughs> like all of us like we're, we're, we're there too yeah. like yeah. And, and and it's not like there aren't great things happening in that environment because because i mean I'm, there are there's and education is feeling that pressure and changing too and changing in great ways like the traditional education system then there's in no matter what system you're in it's really like the person the individual who's who's leading you that makes the biggest impact on you right mm. so even we've been in some really great really cool well-designed um out of the box wild education environments in the last four years and some of them have really lacked those people who who can pull it off and so then it's it's fallen flat on its face. Just the kind as, of Robin Williams at a dead poet society, that kind of like... That, you know, yeah, I mean, what... That, a, like the typical essence of a leader being people want to follow them. Yeah, that's right. So you have those in... I mean, those people are in every environment and, and that's really great. But but I mean, when you guys were, were kids, you probably didn't imagine the jobs that you have now. We're always thinking like, what are... Is what we're doing for our kids preparing them for the jobs they're going to have? But I mean your job now was oh, was your education designed to prepare you for that probably in any shape or form yeah even no. to define our job now like i remember when we used to fill um these central statistic office forms they'd send them out from the government to learn about industry and that i'd always like they you know they give you various options to tick your box what industry it was like there's no box you for bank. revolutionary yeah. you know that was what i honestly when we started that before i was like no i want to change society. would you still click revolution no, i think, I, I, I think i've become slightly more humble in certain ways and probably more egocentric in other ways but yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> yeah and we get a lot of questions from from families who are who are kind of nervous about detaching from that system because it's especially like in in Ireland, there are specific things your kids are supposed to do at specific. And this is stages. like from detaching from this normal environment where they go to school, where you have a job, and yeah. you're part of a community, and suddenly to go, we're going to travel around the world. Yeah, yeah. It's and the questions wild. are are most often about like, yeah, but what are how are they going to do the next thing? How are they going to if we if we don't if they don't have the um, if they aren't ticking the box at this stage, how are they going to tick the box at the next stage? And mm. it just if you if you kind of extend that way of thinking throughout the course of your life eventually you're really good at at being ready to die and that's kind of the the end result of that yeah, you know? on that note there was a guy that i was just talking to recently been working with us for a few months and he was quitting because he, he's his the big exam was starting he had two years to get ready for the exam and he was like no i'm gonna quit i want to give everything it's the most important thing i'm gonna do in my life and i just take him aside and go listen we've hired thousands of people and not once did i ask him what did you get in the leave insert yeah you know you're more than an exam come yeah. on but like Already here it was this 16-year-old that was defining himself by this one exam. Yeah. And wow. it kind of made me feel... And, and there was a sadness in me. And on the other, end of, the smart spectrum, on the other end of the spectrum, we were, uh, as I was just saying there, we, we were tra I was away traveling with my daughters uh, the last six days. 
and we got for the first time ever we got a train an international train that went from one country to another and living on a little island like Ireland you can't do that so that was a big deal like we went from Holland Belgium into Holland and we went to these big train stations and we got a double decker train and it was so cool you know and this was really exciting and it was just as I was saying to you that the the experience is so different with my my eldest daughter she's uh, turning like turning 12 so she's preteen so I've gone from being you know where you're you're just you're their hero I, I'm not her hero at all like it kind of changes because she's become more peer centric and being away traveling together there was much more kind of space for you know just connection and a friend like it was just it was a really different environment and different circumstances each time so the relationship therefore shifted and it was beautiful and it was glorious and we also stayed with a friend of mine who she grew up kind of like the way you're bringing your kids up she grew up on a boat and they traveled around the world oh, for a number awesome. of years and they lived in all these various different islands all across the world like and the parents were chiropractors and she grew up in the middle east and all sorts of different places and a really unique homeschooled so very much this is 20 something years ago so <laughs> Similar enough to what you are doing, but in at a very different stage time, really. Can I roll it back and just for for anyone who's listening and is wondering, okay, this is fascinating. I want to learn more. So, Marty, you like grew up in a you grew up in Canada, isn't it? Yeah, you're an, you're an identical twin as well. Uh, fraternal, fraternal but, twins. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the French say fojimo, like fake twins, which I always oh. took a lot of issue with that. Fojimo, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that isn't that rude? But when it's it is and it isn't because if you think about it, like oh, hold I, on now, because <laughs> you think about it, like identical is it's the same egg, so it's one egg that's split, so it yeah. is like half. It's la miti or whatever it is, whereas it's two separate eggs, so it is like two separate beings in a separate sack. So. Maybe not fake twin is not correct because you come out at the same time, but it's a it's a it is different it, in a sense. It is for sure different, and it's maybe like the best um, example of of the difference between uh, nature and nurture. Because like for you guys, you share so much genetic material. Me and my twin brother, we share um, just as much as any pair of siblings do. Right? Are you similar, like in appearance? No, no, he's the he's the prime physical specimen uh, of the You're family. Prime, brilliant. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> he's listen, watch this. Uh, like, watch it. Marty is a remarkably tall, handsome, striking man. These boys say this Wait, about when you everybody. Hair, you by look the like way, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, like, well, I get that a lot. When we swim at sunrise, Marty <laughs> go up to the top ropes and he do a big, elegant dive and just like Marty, you got it all. Yeah, you know, like, well, you know, I, and if I, he's I, the magic specimen, my word. Uh, yeah, I know. Imagine. Can you even imagine? No. Just, just. I thought you're the. I think you're the specimen. No, you got. I know you say that to everybody, so I appreciate <laughs> it. I keep it coming, but uh, you know, I'm not going to let it go to my head. Um, no, he's. He was always like you you guys are fairly similar in stature and uh, you know I mean there's differences obviously but for my twin and I he was always that much bigger that much stronger that much faster um and so I had to you were kind of like the run to the litter I was the run to the litter absolutely my sister's my size so um yeah so we're we're alike-ish we look like brothers but but not like you guys do no one ever mistook one of us for the other did you guys do that when you were kids? Yeah, did you yeah, dress was, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, yeah. I was the blue twin, he was the red twin. Ironically, yesterday, I hadn't seen Dave for six days and Dave showed up with a happy pair and we didn't, we hadn't spoken and we wore exactly the same clothes. Same t-shirt, same shorts, same shoes. Same like we stuff. literally looked like mom had dressed us and we're 42. <laughs> <laughs> and that was totally by chance. 
Slightly sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of cute and weird. Kind I of think it's really away. cute. Yeah. yeah. Tweedly and Tweedledum. Just send your, send each other texts in the morning like, wear the blue one. Please. <laughs> can you wear, the, like can you wear you. the stripey thing? <laughs> yeah. No, but but we we don't have that, you know, that like the same amount of shared genetic material. But we grew up in exactly the same environment. And, and I think probably you guys have this experience too of... I, I know exactly what he's thinking. I can't literally feel what he's feeling on the other side of the world, but I definitely know exactly what he's thinking and I know how he'll react. And I know, mm. um, and we're very, we're very different from each other. Like we, we kind of went different ways of life. You're traveling the world with your family, living a kind of more alternative type thing. And he's an accountant in a, you know, uh, in a nine to five job and his kids are in private school, like that type of thing. I mean, ish, there's some elements yeah. of that, but, um, and and so we don't understand those things about each other very well. But I I understand how how like I don't we don't share those those things, but we understand them well. Mm. I guess I would say. Yeah. And then you grew up. It was in Canada, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, in, it was Mo- in Western Montreal. Canada, like like uh, no, like small town Alberta. So Alberta is kind of the Texas oh, yeah, of Canada. That's where like, we grew. That's where we were born. Yeah, small town Alberta. Calgary. You were. That's we were right. Calgary, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot that. Calgary, and then were you Alberta. groomed to live like a? a like a nine to five. St- I don't know how we call this a more tr- more traditional, yeah, more conventional was. way. We all were, but I'm I don't just, think anyone was, d- you know, designed, you know, programmed, yeah, or brought yeah. up. Maybe programmed isn't the right Tara, word. Tara, maybe with that ex- expectation. You don't think so? No, I mean, I, well, I think I think like even when I think when we went to school, well, you weren't so much programmed, but you wanted a job. Like, what are you going to do when you grow up? Yeah. Was like a really common question. Oh, I'm going to be an architect. And it was a career guidance teacher. I'm going to play football or tennis yeah. or whatever. I'm going to be a professional athlete or whatever. Everyone had an idea. My kids can have an idea now what they want to be when they grow up. And they do. Well, they, you know, it changes every two weeks. Yeah. Like, but you know, I yeah, it, I think Izzy should be a unicorn hunter. Yeah, yeah and hunting like one. to cuddle them. She's a butter, <laughs> no, she's a butterfly, <laughs> butterfly chaser. Yeah. Yeah, with a net yeah well I think it, most of the things they will do in their professional world haven't been invented yet or a lot a good chunk mm-hmm. of them we haven't we have no idea what they are so it's it's a little bit a little bit um, I think hard to I, I think we used to think that we could just we could just program you and then you would go perform the function that we designed for you mm-hmm. to perform and now I don't think that's the case like this this world that you're in the job that I do um, those things weren't, weren't things, you know, back mm. then, back when we were in school. Um, but yeah, but I was, we were raised in a, in a pretty traditional environment. My parents are pretty traditional. Um, and it was like small farming towns, but then my dad got a wild hair when we were, when I was 13 and, uh, we sold the house and bought a big pickup truck and loaded it with stuff like peanut butter and toilet paper and things like that and drove to belize which is in central america wow and lived there for a year just one year just decided just that was it yeah he had this this crazy friend named wayne and wayne was like jake we were visiting wayne and his family and they had boys the same age as, as my brothers and i and wayne was just like jake we gotta get out of here canada's going crazy and they're all they're kind of like um, a little, he was a bit of a conspiracy theorist kind of guy. He's like, this is, this, this is place, Wayne this society is too much, Wayne. Okay. Yeah. Wayne was just like, this society is too much for, I don't want to raise my kids here. I want to try something, something different. Let's do something crazy. I'm going to go to Belize. We're taking with my family. and toilet paper to Belize. Yeah. So we bought the same kind of truck as they did. And we followed them a few months later. And we lived in the bush in Belize for six months and then moved into a Mennonite colony for six months. Uh, my family is Mennonite as a, as our background, which is... Mennonite's a religion, is it? 
Uh, ooh, it's a tricky one, but it's a it's a little bit like being Jewish because it's it combines ethnicity with culture with religion, and you kind of choose your place in it. Wow. It's a it's a counter reformationist uh, group that started in the Netherlands in as a res- in the 1500s, and essentially they're pacifist. They live in um, communities together. And uh, and they're traditionalists. So wow. uh, the colonies in Belize... Traditionalists is in use kind of traditional means of agriculture and yeah, just living. Yeah, and they're kind of against uh, technologies. So almost a bit like Amish. That yes, quite like Amish. I should have just said that. Yeah. It's okay. a lot like Amish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. similar to Amish. Wow, amazing. Um, yeah, so there was... And my family came um, to Canada in the kind of like uh, early part of the 20th century. And they were farmers. And... Um, but they don't live in colonies anymore in Canada. But in the Belize, they still do. And they're very wow. traditional. And you'll have one colony with no electricity. And then the next colony will have tractors, um, but no electricity, but no rubber tires on their tractors. And then the next colony will have decided that rubber tires are okay, but but something else isn't okay. And so there's kind of... So they're kind of self-governing. Little... Yeah, they're a little... That's right. And, and so we lived in amazing. one of those. That really did give you an alternative paradigm with which how to make sense of the world. Yeah, yeah, it did. And um, it's, it's actually, it's rich and um, it, it's not such a simple story because I think at the time, I was processing it at the time, uh, and, but I didn't really like understand the weight of what was happening and what I was, what I was getting. But since then, I feel like I referenced that year every day. Uh, almost every day I, I, I consciously think of that time and think of the things that I learned or a story or, um, and, but I was talking with my dad the other day and he really struggled when he came back to Canada after, uh, after that time, he was like, when we left, he was in his prime. He was just, he'd started a whole bunch of, uh, schools actually. And he, he administrated all these schools. Like I think he had 11 school, private schools that he, that in he Belize, was or before, in, before, before. and then he just burnt out. And then uh, I think he got burnt out is what, how he described it. He's like, I, I think that was classic burnout, which totally was. And that's, that's what allowed him to make such a crazy decision is going to Belize. Um, I but mean, then mom was totally cool with it. She was just up for, well, to be honest, I don't know that my mom's voice was, was heard very loudly mm. in that ever. And definitely not when it came to Belize. Because if it was like, for us boys, I was 13, 14 with my twin brother, our older brother, and then two more boys. And then I have a young... Uh, Five boys? Four well, boys. that's from the other family. Wow. Who, who we all kind of lived together because they were also Mennonite. Wow. So there was a bunch of boys, pack of boys, and then my little sister, poor thing. And then, and for us, it was like absolute magic. It was just cowboy country. Like there were Belize in the in the nineties was insane. It was like people had weapons. There was like, (laughs) there was violence. There was like action. There was like tension. It was like, uh, and in the bush, it was just nuts. There was just things were trying to kill you all the time. We had to like vacate the house because those ants came through, like those army ants that just would have eaten us. There's there's all kinds of it was just like a wild wild place you're swimming and there's sharks and there's and and for kids for boys who were just running wild it was amazing i didn't wear a pair of shoes for ages and just like a like you guys basically pair of shorts running around pair of cutoff shorts running around in the bush but okay. for my mom we didn't have electricity 
we didn't have. Um, yeah, yeah. She's doing like the whole family's laundry out there and she's allergic to mosquitoes and she was just completely Eaten. destroyed by mosquitoes. Oh. Yeah. And I don't, and we always, I remember feeling bad for her, but I don't remember like any of us really taking the time to ask her how she felt about it. Yeah. And I, I think if we had, she would have been like, this sucks. And I want to <laughs> go home. <laughs> oh, wow. But so that's, it's a kind of a complicated story. Yeah. But cool. Like it sounds like something that really, um, as Stephen said, a great reference point for kind of going, okay, well that's, that is, there is other options other than getting a job or even as, even as family life. So it sounds like a good seed was it planted. It was super that formative for me. It was really, um, the first time I, I encountered this idea that there was other ways to do things, other way, other ways that people were living, people with other priorities than the ones my community had and people who looked different and, uh, and that there's this big wild world out there that mm. was different from what I knew and, mm. and absolutely formative. Um, for me, we went home uh, after a year and I would just, um, my my room was just papered with maps from that I would pull out of the National Geographic um, that my yeah, dad would get. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, they always had a great map in there, like a map of Africa or Mongolia or something. And, and these my, were places you wanted to go. I was just visit. I would just lie in my room in this tiny farming town in Canada and just look at my walls, and it would be like I'm I'm going there, you know. And it, it was the whole room was just papered, and and I always felt felt that way. And, and, uh, after that trip to Belize. Wow. So I know my dad struggled when he came back. Um, and, and he, and I, when we were talking the other day, he was talking about like, I kind of regret that, um, experience and he regrets it or he regrets the, the, that, that he, he felt like he left something that was really in his wheelhouse. And then when he came back, he didn't know what to do and was a bit lost and kind wow. of stayed a bit lost. And he was telling me that he regrets that. And I was just he like, regrets going to Belize. I think he, re I think he regrets the way it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I had to say to him, like, I'm, I'm sorry that that is, that that's there for you. But I have, if you hadn't, if we hadn't done that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be me. You know, mm. I would have been, I would have been some, I would have been lost, I think without that experience. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So anyway. Right. And, and okay. So, so that incredible experience and then roll on kind of, you know, you were married and had the kids and working a normal job. No, you'd started right. your own business, didn't you? You had a couple of businesses. Going. Well, with, let's see, I started a band with my brothers and that's how we went to the States. Rock and roll. Yeah, kind of. It was more like a, uh, like a, uh, like a Canadian Christian boy band kind of. Canadian like. Christian boy band. Yeah. Were you rocking that's the triangle right. or what? Um, were you rocking in the back? Or no, I played, but it wasn't, it was. Are you the cool bassist? I was the bass player, yeah, which is definitely the and coolest. And was your brother the hunk out front? Yeah, you Your know, twin. we were all pretty hunky. Yeah, okay. no, he was definitely, he was definitely the... He was the lead hunk. He, he was the lead the, hunk. You were the kind of, the mysterious hunk in the background. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what role I... You know, every... We weren't actually a boy band because we didn't actually dance and it was... <laughs> but it was, we were three young guys playing music, brothers, and it was very poppy. So it was really fun. But um, yeah, every boy band has their characters, you know, like there's the older brother type and there's the sporty one and there's the, so we would make those jokes. I don't know what mine was. <laughs> you were the artist. I was neither the bad boy nor the sporty one. I was 
somewhere else. Somewhere else. Yeah. So we moved to the States um, to do that. And we did that in Nashville for five years. Wow. Um, And then... Did it go? Did it go well? well? I mean, it went... In some ways, it was a massive success because we got to make a little bit more money every year and buy better instruments and travel together. We were always traveling. Um, And we toured everywhere in the States and everywhere in Canada. And the first time I came to Ireland was playing music. So again, this is another kind of way that got you kind of used to traveling or on the road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, and then then that ended because I was... uh, uh, I was kind of, we were, we were in a weird position because we were Christian people at, at that time. I'm not anymore, but, uh, at that time we were, and, uh, but the, there's an industry, the Christian music industry in the United States is very, very strange. And it was, it felt very uncomfortable to us. It was, um, uh, and, it, but we were stuck in, in that, at least in the States In Canada, we weren't, it was just normal, normal radio, normal shows, no one pressured us or whatever, but we were very bad at being Christian artists and we, it were constantly in this tension. Um, every time we'd show up somewhere, we just felt like we were, it was, we were, we were, yeah, just in a battle. They would, they want you to be something and they know that if you, if, if you are a good Christian and you touch people and make them feel closer to God, then you'll sell more records. And yeah, so, yeah. um, I think our, our, the president of the record company in one of his most frustrated moments with us, um, was just like pulling his hair out. And we remember sitting on the other side of his desk and he's just pulling his hair and he's like, guy, you guys, we don't get it. Good ministry is good industry. And I was just like, geez, man, if, if God's real, like he should just strike you with a bolt of lightning <laughs> right now. Like you can't, use that to to make money i don't know just felt really gross and we were on the outside of it all the time and just in trouble and we'd say something dumb um like we we were on tour in canada and our record company guy took us to hooters for lunch i don't know if they (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) with all the the girls with the tight tops yeah yeah and um and uh uh, he knew the manager. He's like, we'll get free lunch at Hooters. We were like, okay. So we went to Hooters for lunch. And then this came up in a, we were being interviewed for a newspaper and you guys know how this goes. Yeah, and yeah. then they're like, what'd you do today? And we're like, oh, we went to Hooters for lunch. And they're like, they <laughs> good Christian boys. Oh, they said, what are, what are good Christian boys like you doing going to Hooters? And my twin brother, um, the sporty one said, uh, he said, well, Christians have Hooters too. And then we all had a good laugh. <laughs> and that was the lead line in the, in the paper the next day in like the big, big daily paper oh. in Edmonton. And, uh, and we got a phone call the next day from our record company and they were just livid. We got dropped from a tour in the States because wow. they were like, we can't support this. Like, what are you guys doing? What do you Even think, though it's what probably do you good doing? for selling records because you're on the edge, you're edgy, you're provocative. You know, we never tried to pitch it that way to them, but maybe we should have. We should have, come on, we're the bad boys of Christian music. (laughs) Maybe that's the thing. I don't know. But we had like, and we didn't sing about the things we were supposed to. We didn't sing about Jesus and stuff. We sang about girls mostly. Ah, there you go. Yeah. And so we'd have all these Christian record stores and radio stations who were like, we'd get letters from radio station conglomerates that would be like, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you fail. Wow. Because you are not the example for our kids that you are supposed to be. You want to be like normal market people, go be pop people, but don't bring your 
your baby baby into our world. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And we ah. were, yeah, I mean, I get, I it guess. It is the way it is. It is yeah. the way it is. Anyway, so I was. You got about five years to Yeah, around. we did. So in, in those ways, it was like a terrible failure. <laughs> but I mean, we sold enough records to keep going and we got to be with each other and we loved that. And we had a ton of fun. Um, in those ways, it was a huge success. So Yeah, what an adventure. But we weren't famous. No. And we char- we charted a bit in Canada in the normal scene. And in the States, we would chart on Amer- on the Christian charts. What was the name of the band? It was called Jake. We named it after my dad. Jake. Wow. Yeah, it was yeah. the paternal family name for five generations that none of us boys got. Because my wow. dad was fighting with his dad at the time, I think. Oh, wow. Or maybe he just felt like it was enough. It's like, that's enough Jakes. Wow, that's funny. That's yeah. gas. That's great. Did your brothers create any Jakes? No. No, so Jakes no. moved on. Yeah. No, oh, that's it. Go. Time changes. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so okay, so you had this you've had two two really interesting kind of like um there's a smart word there that they kind of mm. what's the smart word? You know, that they transformation they inferred the kind of you know what, what what's unfolded. But uh, and then roll on another few years and you're married with kids and Yeah, yeah. We were in Seattle and we were we had a small stake in a little restaurant company and um, we had, it was a beautiful life, actually. Seattle is, is a really nice place to live. There's a really good quality of life. It feels a bit like Ireland in some ways. Like it's always green. Wet, isn't and it? it's yeah, wet. it's wet. And um, we lived on this little island where I would take a ferry to work then on my bike. And that was so cool. It was such a great way to start the, start the day and end the day, like over the water and riding a bicycle. It didn't, I didn't care if it was raining. It was fine. Um, but then we just like, I don't know, it just, we, we both had traveled a lot. Taryn and I, my wife and I had both traveled a lot as individuals and, um, and, and we could just see that the, I, I just felt like there was so much more out there and we could see the way, the way this track is going in Seattle and Seattle is one of those places that if you're on the track, I think it's really, it can be really great, but it's quite prescribed. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on the track, you're really out of the loop and we were matilda was 18 months old for example and someone asked me what classes she was taking and we're just oh here's your daughter what classes is she taking and i was like she's not learning mandarin she's a baby you know she still poops her pants you know and uh, it, just that idea of like you got to prepare you got to get these kids to get ready. ahead like yeah, to get, and kids. yeah you gotta like these guys are i mean you want her to go to harvard right you know how is she how is she going to get into Harvard if you're not giving her Mandarin lessons when she's 18 months old? It was just kind of this, this mentality there. If you want, if your kids want to play soccer, you've got to sign them up a year in advance and then they got to go five days a week and then on the weekends. And it's just like, yeah. th- there's a track. And if you're not doing that, you don't get to play soccer. It's kind of... Where's room for them to be kids, just kids? Just to be kids and to... to Explore like, an adventure, the world. Yeah. And to just like shake a little bit, shake, like we need to pick them up turn them upside down, shake them, set them back down, and and the world will look different. Kind of like what happened to me when I was 13 and we moved mm-hmm. to Belize for a year. Like that was my moment of getting picked up, shaken, set back down. And the whole world was different when it was done. So yeah, so then we were like, you know, for we were just thinking, what can we do? What can we do here? Okay, here's what we know. Let, let, for, we said, let's build a business where we work together, where we do things that are creative that we love to do. And we love travel. Taryn's a photographer. So we're like, great, we'll do photos. We'll, we'll make like a, a 
content engine. I, I write, so we'll make like, we'll do put out content and then we'll family travel sucks at the, at this stage because like the offerings for families are terrible out there for family travel. Like if you, if you Google family travel, Disneyland, you're, you're going to get, yeah, I mean, it's great. Disneyland. Great. But I don't want to go to Disneyland and I don't really want to. I'm sure we'll go at some point, but I'm never saying never. But that's not how I want to spend my time is going to Disneyland. Like most offerings for families are overstimulating for the kids and completely boring for me. And we felt like our kids generally are excited about what we're excited about. If they see us passionate about something, then they they are excited too. And what we love is travel and seeing, meeting people and like experiencing different things and we love sitting in a coffee shop and watching and feeling a place and so we we were like well let's just let's just change family travel let's let's find a way to do that so we started bringing groups of families together to travel together how many years ago was this this is uh four years ago we left almost exactly four years ago and we did our first were you scared when you were leaving or like what were the emotions yeah yeah we were terrified yeah terrified i thought we had six and months worth of money for anyone who's listening we've got three kids matilda's okay at the time they were seven five and two wow. and now they're 11 so you were taking them nine, out of school six. and yeah. you were just was were you gonna had you set boundaries around it like a kind of safe we're gonna do six months and we're gonna go to somewhere where now or was it kind of no, like no we didn't build an off-ramp we just, just literally it was we like just we're going did it and and you, you know the way you obviously know you've got x amount of money and yeah. that's going to last us this amount and we need because you need to understand the financials when you're yeah. Yeah. stepping out of yeah, the system yeah well, i thought we had 6 6 months worth of money to spend and um but the goal was to start something that would that would then be a profitable self sustaining yeah and so we started bringing groups of families together to travel together and the first first one of those we did was in morocco in October of 2018 and we called them family gatherings and we would get like five families together and put them all in the same spot in a and families who didn't know each other who just would find us on Instagram or whatever um, or who we'd meet or or who would find us through some other way and we'd we'd get together like we'd rent a big house or a big property and then we would just explore and we'd do it in places that we knew really well like Morocco is a place we've been going to for a while and um and we'd like create a, a vision of a version of family travel that was like really integrated where it's not the kids do this and the adults do this where it's really like a, a way to explore as a as a group and as as a, as families and you see we would see these like a crew of like seven-year-olds or nine-year-olds like holding hands walking through the medina in marrakesh and just looking at the like goat head hanging from the butcher's stall and like the old guy the old beggar man on the street asking for change or like just the color and the energy and to watch them experience that for the first time with each other and like they could kind of like <clears throat> they're sort of like hold on to each other you know when they needed support and then they'd like pull pull the other one over to look at something and dig through a little pile of treasure and just like the the joy and the energy of sharing that together was so special and we just absolutely loved the first one we did was so fun and for a week or two weeks a, or a month these were one week okay yeah 
And um, this was like, so So when you left, where did you go to first? When you left um, Seattle for the first time, your first off-rampler. Yeah. Or like on-ramp probably, when you're on-ramp to your, yeah, we went to France. To your nomadic way of life. Yeah, we went to France and um, uh, Matilda was born in France. And did you have a plan or was it like it was... Yeah, we, ha- we knew we were going to go to France, Italy, Greece, and then to Morocco. Wow. And be in Morocco. Yeah. Yeah, so... And that went really well. And we've we've been doing those family gatherings since then. And the pandemic put a pretty big punch into group family travel businesses like ours. Yeah, wow. But somehow we survived. And um, and we've changed, uh, we've responded to, to post-pandemic world, which is this world where, as we, as we were saying earlier, there are more families interested in going for longer, interested in like, in more transformative uh, pieces of their life where it's not like, here's my normal life and there's my vacation. And it, it's, you can kind I of can merge merge those things. Yeah. But I think yeah, as a part of it that's really expedited is now the fact that there's a lot more digital, the ability to work digitally. Yeah. You know, previous, prior to the well, pandemic. Even, well, even, sorry to cut you off there. It's okay. You keep going if you want. You're doing great. No, no. You're... I was only just going to say, you know, that expression that I think it was Buddha or some smart, enlightened person said that the more where you're working your life, there's less of a, a gap between them where you're working life are one, the more you will be in harmony. And I think I really do believe that a lot of us have our work and then we've got our private life. And but the more like if you look at a farmer or someone who's that, they just love it. Like they're just mm. at it the whole time. No, I love it. Like and I, and I think back to some of the happiest times of my life was when I when we'd be playing golf and we'd literally we'd play like most people like the max they could play was 36 holes in a day we could play 72 holes of golf in a day like and we'd be and we'd come home at 10 o'clock after being fishing golf balls in the lake like and this is as 15 year olds or 14 year olds and I think like and if someone told me not to play golf like it was like no yeah like uh, like we just become obsessed with things and I think that's that like it's not in balance but it's it's uh, you know it's a, a different type of balance yeah well well I think we there's one way to do it which is where there's pretty strong walls around your work, your normal life, the kids' education, your holiday. Um, that, and I think that's quite typical and, and serves some people really well and serves some kinds of business very well. And, um, and, but post-pandemic, like, those walls can be dissolved if you want them to. You can really put those things together. And for us, we are really leaning in on the learning and the education part of it. Like that's that feels to us like a very exciting piece of that. Of course, we love merging, like making travel our life. We really love that. Um, but we're very, we're committed to this idea that that learning can be done in a very different way and that it, it doesn't need to be kind of put inside of a box that fits inside of a traditional school. And, and we're seeing, I mean, that's, um, we're seeing so much energy around that for families who are, who, who got a whiff of that during the pandemic and, and some tools like the ability to work remotely and the ability for their kids to check in on their education remotely. Um, and so we're, what we're doing now is instead of doing the one month or one week, um, one week trips where we bring a small group of families together, we're bringing families together for a month and we're leaning in on this learning component. And so we're kind of diving in to uh, the place we are and extracting learning from that. Um, so, we, so what does that look like? Or what, so where was the last we, one you did? We'll about, we're about to go to Portugal 
um, where we'll do another one this September. Um, we did one in there in the spring as well. Uh, basically there, it's really cool. We found this, um, there's a, a little outdoor school that our kids went to a couple of years ago for a couple of months. Um, and outdoor really cool. It sounds cool. It's so cool. And it's run by these two amazing people. They're both PhDs and he's, she's a marine biologist and he's an environmental engineer and they just are visionary and so curious. Like when those conversations, those kind of people, when you're talking to them, you just you just talk about a whole bunch of crazy things and, and they're so curious and they're kind of like, Oh, did you know? And then you're talking about physics and then you're talking about whatever, but yeah, they have this little patch of land and it's right by the sea. There's a greenhouse for when the weather's bad and they go inside the greenhouse and then there's a pine forest and then the, um, the sea and it's on the coast of Argentina. So it's like this wild raw stretch of Portuguese coastline. Um, and they, they just go back and forth between those three places, the greenhouse, pine forest and the sea. And they just basically, I mean, there's, it's lead and it's, it's, um, it's considered, it's not random, but it's very free and, and like the children really, the kids really kind of pull or push the whole thing along. And what age do the kids typically do that? Well, for example, the last one we had um, in the spring in Portugal, we had uh, kids as young as five and then the oldest were 13. Okay. We had 15 kids all together for that. And so we had six families and they all stayed within a few minutes drive of each other. And we would, the kids would go to this program Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays we would do something crazy. Like we, we would do like a, we hired uh, this guy who's a professional sand sculptor and sand and ice sculptor. He's been doing it for 17 years. Flies all around the world making like wild sand sculptures that are that are wow. still standing four years later. Or wow. Those kind of things. So he came and did a day with us on the beach of teaching us. Like he brought a bunch of tools and he taught us how to how to create shadow and how to structure it properly so you can build higher and we just built all kinds of crazy things Pretty for the day. Cool. It was super fun. Yeah. The, um, there was definitely like, and that's the kind of thing where it's like, you don't need to design something for children. You know, uh, that was so exciting for me and all of the other parents were just like, just eating it up and the kids were eating it up. It was so cool to do all together. We were all so excited for the entire day to do that. So we do things like that. We do trips to learn other, learn other about other things there, like how there there's some really great natural wines being made down there. So we do that. Um, so we organize something, and we organize moments to come together as a group. So we do these like, kind of long table dinners, um, and then the kids are in this learning program, and we combine those two things. It's basically show up with this built-in community for a month. Yeah, well, it, sounds, it sounds super idyllic. What are the challenges with it? Because I'm sure as with anything, like it's so easy, like for someone who's in, say, nine to five or more traditional modality of existence yep. to romanticize another one. And then yep. when you're in the other one, it's easy. Like, I think the nature of the human existence is we're restless and we always far away fields are greener. I just wonder what's the other side of this. Of utopia. Utopia. Uto- you know, there's this wonderfully idealistic way of living. Like, Because there's the those side? movies like The Beach in early 2000s yeah. you know where people have had punts at building their own utopia yeah. Lord yeah. Of the flies or and there's yeah. so many examples of it and I wondered what is your experience like because there's, what are there's the two sides of the coin yeah what's the other side yeah okay well I would say for uh, on these trips themselves you're managing dynamics of people and so it um, 
our group ends up being pretty self-selecting because it's quite a unique offering uh, that we, it's quite a unique experience. And if you, most of the people who are coming are people who, who know who we are and have followed along with the story for a while and they know what they're signing up for. And we're quite direct about what we believe in and what we value. And so we don't as much get people who are like wildly, wildly different value set. We get people who are wildly different. We had this last round, we had avocado farmers from Australia and filmmakers from, from Switzerland and they're wildly different, but they have, they have some very important shared values. values. Family and learning. Yeah. Yeah. Learning, um, like, uh, humility, uh, as a, as a traveler, that's a huge one. You need to, you know, be a, be a good traveler, be a nice person. Um, yeah. Things like quality over quantity, that kind of stuff is, is what we. Rather than 42 countries or 45, co- I've, I've tried, you know, it's like, I yeah. just have, have you done Peru yet? I did Peru. As yeah. As yeah. Oh my gosh. How was your experience? In this yeah. The whole, or... I did yeah. a place. Yeah. You can't do a place. You can, yeah. you're, you're like, we're lucky to, we are so lucky to be here. We're not doing Ireland. I'm like, so grateful to be in Ireland and that's how I feel everywhere I go well that's a trick to learn how to be isn't it that's what we're all trying to do most of us are running away from ourselves yeah Yeah, which I to your question about the dark the dark side or the like the the edge or the other side or um I would say for those month-long experiences they're um they they are very dreamy and, and they're really really fun and exciting and and typically um, there are some things to manage, but typically they go very well and it's really mm-hmm. fun. I think when you stretch it out over a longer period, like for us, we've been traveling four years. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. And if if there's a family thinking about doing it for six months or a year or something like that, then you have some other some other kinds of challenges that come in. Like all of us have daughters who are 11 turning 12. So um, when they get to that age, there's... Uh, for in to take learning as an example, like your your kids are are learning a bunch of stuff in school that will move them to the next step of of school, right? And uh, it's really easy to step out of that system when the kids are really little and there aren't as many pressures or or expectations of that system. Um, but at age 11, 12, you start to really smell those, you know, those are really start to be there. And for, for Matilda anyway, for our daughter, um, she wants to get mastery. She wants some things she can master and she wants to see progression. She doesn't just want to have a new wild experience every month. You know, Mm. she wants something that builds. Yeah. And so it just requires for us designing in a different way designing with like a better through line or more so would this be for example say for example coding coding you can do remotely it's it's a skill you can master and you can learn languages and code and become a master coder which obviously is very valuable in the current world which we live in yeah yeah you can pick um you can take specific skills like that that can build that that you can do in any environment anywhere um but I think for us, we really want to take advantage of the fact that we're in all these amazing places. And so we're trying to extract learning moments from the environments we're in, but then tie those into something that builds on it on itself. Mm. And that's a challenge. Um, 
but we're getting great help with some really, really smart um, educators. Um, we're uh, we're actually putting on a conference. We're calling it an unconference, or uh, we don't know what the, exactly what we're calling it's like, it. But. Like to put the, the modality of education or the pedagogy that you're applying, it's like unschooling almost. Like it's like allowing the children's natural, innate curiosity to explore what they're interested in and use this as the foundation with which to extract education or learning. Yeah. And, and that takes, that's right. And, um, there, that's built on a couple of philosophies. One is that kids are, are going to learn when they're comfortable, when their bodies are comfortable, when they're, when they don't feel uh, under stress, um, when their nervous systems are in the right place, then they'll, they'll be ready to learn. And that's hard to accomplish if they're being uh, pushed towards something that they don't care about. Mm. So it's really about PG letting... modern schooling typically, you know... It's I mean, not... there's a time to study math and, and <laughs> yeah, and maybe your kids don't want... Maybe Ned doesn't want to sit down and do math at, you know, 9.30 in the morning when he's, like, tired or needs to run or something like that, you know? So it's based on that that that's a philosophy but also also that kids are innately curious and that they and that that they will they will find those find those paths yeah yeah for example yesterday in the car sorry to cut you off yeah, yeah, no. we were we were traveling back from the airport and i was put, putting on some songs and there was one uh it was a it was a playlist like of liked songs and one of them was by uh the uh Iunaudi, you know ludovico Iunaudi, you know he's a pianist and a musical composer and my daughter Elsie's learning the piano and she just heard it yesterday and then uh, during dinner she had it on YouTube and she was playing she was like learning it herself and it was incredible to just see how she was so interested in something goes oh, I could probably learn yeah and, and then this morning she was playing half of it and you're kind of going oh my god how the heck does like yeah. you could see she was just curious and learning and that was it was so natural to see the unfolding of that yeah. whereas so many other things like else let's sit down and learn about physics yeah no way yeah. you know yeah so she she needs to know how to how to learn you know she's learning how to how to learn that and she knows how to learn which is why she's able to do that she knows to look it up to think about how do how do I accomplish this? You know, what, I need to find the name of this composer. Look find a video the song. on YouTube. I need to look up a video on YouTube. Like, great! What a great tool. That's amazing. Ah, remark. But it takes some. Um, but imagine doing that for her whole education, and trusting that. And that is a hard thing to do to trust. Well, that. well as as people who don't fit in the typical modern of employment, yeah. like you know. Like we did go to college and did get degrees and masters and went through school as normally. But certainly what we've done since has definitely not been like, what do you do for a living? It's like, I don't know what yeah, I do. I, I work in the food industry. <laughs> we've got a food business that has arms and legs and is weird. You know, it's to describe people what we do is very difficult. And what do you do? Do you make yeah, coffees? Now, do what, you, what do you do on a Monday morning? And it's like, oh, dear. Know, which Monday morning? Yeah. <laughs> no, our job, I like, and it's kind of gone. Well, like, I guess the greatest skill someone can have is confidence in themselves being yeah. able to communicate with other people very well and being curious and yeah. keeping that that vitality that curious vitality within ourselves because when we have that well then life will unfold in a very different way than someone who's fear-based and is trying to get a job and has a scarcity kind of mentality really yeah, that's good, exactly good right. question how do you manage to have faith and trust like so 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 for someone listening here and they're at home and they're you know they're doing their best and they're working their job and they're paying their bills and they're doing all this but like the idea of what you're saying sounds wonderful and 
to many people, there's a feeling of fear comes up. And then how do you manage to have faith, one, in the, the travel, that where you're going to go, it's going to be good, and how for your children's education, because you're allowing it to unfold. There's no, like, the beauty of the beauty, or well, part of the pros of the modern day education system is there's an input, there's an expected outcome, and there's a linear path. And how about with your, where you're allowing it just to unfold, like, how do you manage to have faith in this process, and how do you manage to sustain this faith yeah uh it has not been easy and it it gets easier over time but at the beginning especially it was very very difficult when we left um seattle matilda wasn't reading she'd never been to like a really traditional school and so never been forced to to learn to read so she was seven all of her friends were reading cool books and and we were like okay well now we're going on the road and now we're gonna educate you in this loose way and so i guess we're going to sit down and and try to learn to read together and it was just painful and and it was just tears every time she had this one book ada laces on the case and it was just like getting tear stained and ripped because it was so she was so frustrated and we'd be sitting on a train or something we'd be like okay let's get out ada lace and she wants to do it and she's driven to do it like she's driven to accomplish it but but couldn't get it and so finally we were just like, okay, well, you know, let's leave it alone and just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And that was a very scary thing to do because she's seven. She wants to learn to read. And we were like, okay, well, it'll happen when it, you will read. It will happen Faith when, is when it happens. Faith being tested here. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. And then um, about 18 months later, we were at a friend's place, staying with friends in Australia. And their kids made fairy houses in the, in the garden, uh, in the yard. And, and our Matilda was super into it. And they had the fairy houses, like built these beautiful little houses. I, you, Irish are great at that, little fairy houses. Um, uh, they made little letter boxes where they would uh, write notes to the fairy, write letters to the fairies. And then the fairies would come out at night and like take the note and then in, put a note from the fairies. And so Matilda was like, Dad, there's like letters from the fairies. I have, what does this say? I have to know what this says. And she was just like, I have to, so I read, read her that letter, but then there were more coming and she just needed to know what they said. And two weeks later, she was reading. She was just <laughs> like, just read the letter. And she didn't make a big deal about it. Didn't come show me. Just, she wasn't like, I can, I know how to read now. She was just like, oh yeah, I can read now. And wow. she never even read, finished that Ada Laces on the case book because it was so boring to her. She, she left it and just started reading other books. burned together. Yeah. Now, yeah, we could have. Now she just reads like like crazy and loves it and loves it and knows that she can do it. So so I I have the good fortune of that experience to look back on when I get nervous about the future and I can remember um, those examples like that. But I think for, for people who are considering like letting go of that stress of like your, your 16-year-old friend who, you know, employee who, who had to quit work to, in order to achieve the study for the certs, that's a lot of pressure. And that is there for everybody from in, in a lot of places from the time the kids are young, people are thinking about letting that go. Um, their, your kids will, will learn. They, they're excited to learn. Your job is to be available and to give them experiences that are interesting to them and to support the things that they're that they're interested in the good thing now is that there are a lot of tools and ways that that you can keep 
for those who are, who are who don't feel like they can just take the big plunge and cut all the all the strings there's a lot of ways that you can that you can keep a couple of things attached and um i mean a lot of tools now especially post pandemic like there's all of these solutions for education like uh things like khan, khan academy was there before but kids What's can learn khan, khan, oh khan, khan academy we'd yeah. say khan khan academy k h n isn't it khan academy yeah k h a n k h a n yeah that's a, it's a guy who started a series of series of youtube videos to tutor his nephew i think it was uh in in math subjects and it blossomed into this whole world of of things you can learn through video so there there are tools like that and there's um even for people who are all the way out of school you can you can still keep on track um by doing uh there's there's uh different programs where you're just basically doing courses virtually or in in small pods there's pods all over the world that that people join and then they can join another one then when they go to a new place there's a million ways to keep some of that attached for those who feel like they need that that tether we feel like um the the point for us is not to stay tethered the point is to prepare our children the best way we can for the future uncertainty like really just to follow uncertainty because life is not certain it's not no and there there are a set of you were talking about you were talking about something that's referred to as durable human skills which are are i think you were saying yeah um the ability to communicate with people who are different than you the kinds of things the kind of skills that cannot be replaced by machines and a lot of the skills are values like they have to come from solid values empathy yep the ability to think creatively, the... Um, to be resilient, emotionally resiliency. resilient. Yeah, and we cannot think of a better way to develop that set of skills for our kids than traveling with them and putting them in new experiences regularly and exposing them to all kinds of things and all kinds of ideas and then supporting the things that they're interested in along the way. And what we're seeing is that that we we're trusting that that's the best way to go, but we're also seeing that, like, universities have figured this out now you don't need to because a lot of this for for parents is like well are my kids still going to get into the good school that we want them to get into well that that has changed Uh, the the way people are uh, universities have figured out too that like for in in the united states it's called the sat is the big entrance exam to universities they figured out that an SAT, a great SAT score is, is no indication of a student's ability to succeed in that university environment. It's like not, there's no correlation at all. Um, instead, like a picture of who that human is and what they care about and what they've done in their life, um, like a, a real picture of who they are is a way better, way better indicator of, of whether they'll succeed in that environment. Jo- the companies are doing the same thing where they're not they're hiring in totally different ways lego hires in a in a completely different way than you would expect it it to hire its designers it's really about like big events where people get to show off their skills and and meet each other and do presentations and kind of rub shoulders and then they're like oh this is a great person they're not hiring people who are trained to be lego designers Hmm. Um, they're they're looking for master builders. Uh, yeah, they're looking for master builders. <laughs> I still got that piece in my pocket. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we are confident that especially by the time our kids are like 
are old enough to be creating their own jobs or to be see that's such a different reference point creating their own jobs that's such a different reference point than going i hope i get a good job yeah well i guess they've seen you and taryn as well like figure it out figure it out and And, manage self-employment while on the road oh my gosh and they that gets tested too because we i mean we've just come through two years of nobody traveling so so like our our business has been really affected by that and we've had some scary scary moments in the last two years and um the the most and our kids see see that too they see that that pressure and those questions and those conversations and um but i was talking with taryn and i i I think i'm more naturally the like i have a taryn is just this just unbelievable vision driven human who just believes in something and will follow it no matter what. And I am, I have like, I battle with fear a lot more than that. And so we were talking, I'm like, well, maybe this is the, maybe this is the end. This is a while ago. Maybe this is the end. Maybe this is the, the time we go home, you know, like, and she was like that. She just looked at me. She could, she was so offended that, <laughs> that I would suggest that. And she was just like, we did not go like put, take this risk and come out here on the road and put ourselves through all that we've been through for the last number of years to turn around and go back and get jobs we don't want and live in a place where we don't want to live. Like that is just not, not an option for us. It's absolutely not. I'm offended you suggested it. (laughs) How many days did it take to make up after that? It was tough, really tough. She, She literally for days would be like, I'm still mad at you. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. but our kids see that right and they see they see that we encounter that and battle that and and they see the other side of it too which is which is that you just believe in it enough and you are determined not to not to quit not determined not to fail because we fail all the time we're changing things and failing and that didn't work and then we throw up a new thing like a new idea um and but our kids see see that too. They see that resiliency, and that is something that I I think will prepare them life for their future. Well, it's almost like we we do what you do rather than what you say. It's always we are apes. You know, we are big apes, and we ape one another. So they yep. will ape how you live and your perception of the world more than what you told them. I imagine. How how are you going to navigate? And sorry, just cutting in there, Dave. Yeah. But how do you like say we're all all we all have daughters, and they're all on that cusp of becoming twelve and moving into this teenage and moving from being kind of you know parent centric to being peer centric. How have you had any ideas how you're going to navigate this while being on the road so they can have a kind of extended continuous peer group, or is it lots of just short bits? Or how do you yeah any thoughts a, on how you're going to navigate that? It's a great question, and and it's um. It's uh, especially uh, important and relevant when we get here to Ireland because mm-hmm. when we come to Ireland, like we'd love it here, and we we just step right back into this this um, community. And part of it is just showing up at the swim in the morning, and the way we're welcomed there. And part of it is our friends down the road where we stay, where there's um, where it's just the friendships are instant and 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 alive even when we're not here. Um, and so every time we get here, we're like, wow, this, maybe this is like, like, this is really, this is a really special community here. Um, but we have our version of that. It just is, it's just as extended around the world. It's all Mm. over the world. And it goes in intense bursts that are, um, shorter in duration, 
uh, maybe like a month and then and then there's like a like a level calm level uh, between them but um part of the part of what we're doing with these longer month-long events is meeting our own needs for that mm, so for matilda she really the boys are they can still play lego for hours and hours a day and be quite happy francis less so but matilda needs some some pals you know she really needs some pals and so when we come together for a month it's intense and really cool it's like a uh like a like a pressure cooker for relationships in and it, they form really fast you work through things that might take years to work through in a normal environment but you kind of progress through levels of friendship quite quickly and then she keeps those ties so uh, and some people come from one to the next to the next so she has kind of a mobile community and then she stays in touch digitally too with her friends pretty cool yeah but it is a it is a question yeah and it gone forward as they become teenagers i guess yeah yeah you just gotta consistently adapt and change and have conversations and yeah there's a lot of families who stop who travel for a long time and stop traveling right when their kids get around this age because they're like our kids just want to stay in one place and have friends yeah, when I look at my kid, like Elsie kind of is at the stage, like they're turning 12 and she's like, oh, I don't know if I want to go away. I just want to hang around yeah. with my friends. It like doesn't want to go on a holiday. Like, yeah. yeah, ours is the same. They're just like, mom, stop booking holidays. I don't want to go on holidays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe you got to take a friend with you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah there you yeah. go. Another I mean, the, together, to keep it going. Go ahead. So I think you've got problem solved there, Marty. Yeah, problem solved. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no... The the experience for your daughters if they if they go to a new place and experience it next to their friend oh, will be like there's some and exponential the travel together impact when, there when May and Elsie are together it's like boom, oh, well, even, oh yeah you guys go together yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go yeah, it's, it's been great, great. I, I love what you're doing yeah, really, really do it's amazing it's so you're really pushing progressing forward and following your curiosities which therefore will infer your children's you know behaviours and funny. families behaviors. and for anyone listening who wants to learn more about these, these amazing communities and the events and the gatherings that you do yeah yeah because we've got this next year is going to be crazy because we're doing Portugal in September and then we go to Mexico in November for and we'll be We'll Sounds be there awful. for two months but sounds awful Marty. we love Mexico it's so cool you, I'm, oh, I don't I know if you guys visited there but it's it's the best and that's gonna be such a cool trip and then we go to um then we go to bali and we'll do one in bali in Awful. february oh poor Marty. and then we'll Good go to japan God. which is a yeah. we love japan and we haven't been able to get in there for the last two years but japan in april will be really really epic and then we'll go back to morocco and portugal after that so so yeah if you you can you can find out about all all that stuff and um, we have a we have a terribly difficult name to to spell, but it's Cartier Collective. It's like Q U like Quartier Q U A R T I E R. It's the French word for neighborhood. Cartier Collective, yeah. and yeah. that's Cartier on Instagram and on yeah on, on Instagram the, on and on the, the on the internet. internet, yeah, on the nets on the internet. Yeah, okay, yeah so all the all that stuff is there, and um, anyone who's Cartier Collective, yeah, we'd love to meet you. Great job. Yeah, Marty, Cheers, Marty. brilliant. Some man loved it. Brilliant. Super inspiring. Marty, what a dude. What a lovely example of someone living a different lifestyle, but with very similar like values. Yeah, very interesting to question the kind of uh, how you can live outside of society while also fulfilling a lot of your needs, you know, particularly your family's education and your own drive for curiosity and travel. I thought it was really, really interesting. And even the time where he like it nearly failed a number of times where he's like, 
is this it? Do we have to go home? But it like reminded me of just have faith, have faith, have faith. Yeah. So if you're curious for more of this, uh, Cartier Collective is what Marty's called on Instagram and they do their events as you heard about. Yeah, there's one in Portugal. I think there was one in Morocco and then Bali and then Mexico. And I guess one thing I'll definitely take from this is, you know, it, to travel as a family is a very doable thing and there's so many different ways to do it now in terms of different methods of educating your kids while on the road. Um, different ways of access and community so you're not just isolated. And I guess the nature of travel is that you're going to consistently have a different experience. So, um, and it's it gives a great macro lens to look at your life as it normally is. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate yeah, it. I hope you loved it as much as we did. Marty's such a cool dude. If you if you want to send us on any reviews or any feedback, our email is podcast. And have we got an email, parent, sir? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Sarah's going to check if you send an email. Uh, the email is podcast at the happy and that's going to go to Sarah. So yeah, if you've got any feedback, please send that on. Uh, big shout out to Sarah Foster and Shawnee Cahill um, who make this very much and happen. to Mush and to Mush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sarah's thanks, Mel. And we're going to say bye. 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 B